So we're trying to engage with people's experience of water. Um, and through the water menu concept, we've curated such an experience that you can now walk into a restaurant and you can try different waters across the menu that all taste completely different. They're all natural and they're there to complement your dining experience. Um, and the water menu is actually so educational because we talk about how water actually gets its minerals. What sets one water apart from another? And we have the most amazing responses from guests when they walk in and they're handed a water menu because all of a sudden there are pages and pages of water that they had not anticipated. Um, and it gives you the love stories behind the water. Um, it's served in a beautiful glass. It's brought to your tail at a particular time when you're seated. Um, and it is about giving water value. So changing your perception and your experience of water at the dining table. Um, and I think that's the first time we've been able to incorporate an education component at a dining table as opposed to a conference room. Welcome to What Are We Talking About? A podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Okay, welcome to today's episode of What Are We Talking About? I am beyond excited to have this discussion with Candace Jensen today. Candace is a water sommelier, and I'll be the first one to admit I was extremely skeptical when I came across that term and the work that she does. But having now spoken to you, Candace, you are doing this for all the right reasons, and we have so much to learn from how you are telling water story around what you do. So thank you for being on the show and I'm ready to get into it. Thank you for having me. So exciting. I think water has definitely taken a different conversation, um, which we can dive into during this session. Yeah, Candace, and I, I met you through LinkedIn and uh, was impressed with the work you're doing. And why don't we just start off with, uh, I, I love the concept of comparing the economic value of water versus the emotional value of water. So why don't, why don't we start right there? Yeah, so you know, traditionally everybody's worried about the cost of water and how much one bottle of water compares to the other. Um, and so restaurants have got this idea that if they have one water option and it's the cheapest option, then that will do. But there is no emotional value to water. So we're prepared to pay for a, an expensive cocktail or a beautiful bottle of wine, but we're not prepared to pay for water. Um, and it has nothing to do with the price of water. It has to do with the value, or the emotional value that we've placed on water, which for a lot of us is, is nearly nothing. And that emotional value, Candice, when we had our prep call, you were saying that you feel like water, we, we generally as an industry feel like water is undervalued and it needs to be valued higher, but we don't talk about other ways to bring value to the discussion, but you're doing it in a very unique way. So I'd like for you yeah. to expand on that a bit. So we're trying to engage with people's experience of water. Um, and through the water menu concept, we've curated such an experience that you can now walk into a restaurant and you can try different waters across the menu that all taste completely different. They're all natural and they're there to 
complement your dining experience. Um, and the water menu is actually so educational because we talk about how water actually gets its minerals, what sets one water apart from another. And we have the most amazing responses from guests when they walk in and they're handed a water menu because all of a sudden there are pages and pages of water that they had not anticipated. Um, and it gives you the love stories behind the water. Um, it's served in a beautiful glass. It's brought to your table at a particular time when you're seated. Um, and it is about giving water value. So changing your perception and your experience of water at the dining table. Um, and I think that's the first time we've been able to incorporate an education component at a dining table as opposed to a conference room. Completely different. Yeah, and I noticed you're holding a, a, a wine glass. People might think you're drinking wine during our uh, no, never. <laughs> during our interview, but you know it's another concept, right? I mean, we serve wine in a beautiful glasses, but you're drinking water in the same kind of glass rather than a standard water glass. So right. you know it, it just shows that whole concept, right? Yeah, I've got mine yeah. right here, right? So so that's, no. that's my water glass, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I actually, sometimes I travel with my glass because I never I never know what I'm going to get at a restaurant that I go to. Um, and the, I think people have learned, say nothing to her, let her take her glass and go. Because I it's just the whole experience of water. We should elevate water exactly the same way we do wine. And why not do that with a dedicated glass? It just, it levels up on the Epicurean experience of water. And I, so I want to make, I, I, it's, this is such a good point. And I'm guessing that people listening to this are going to be thinking, oh, she, you know, she saw a way to make money, right? Elevating water into this curated experience. And she's really just in it for the profit, et cetera. That's not true yeah. at all. You, you have a very deep connection with water that goes back to when you were younger, growing up even. So tell us a bit about why this is so meaningful to you and why you chose this as a career path. Yeah, I've always been sensitive to, to a running tap. Um, when I was younger, I, I couldn't recognize that. But as I got older, I realized that this is actually, I'm just a, kin, a kindred spirit with water. And I love water. So when people say you're in it for the money, I can't tell you how many times I've actually just done things for the love of water. Um, that I've gone to companies and said, listen, I don't want your money. Can I just help you do this properly? Like, just do it right. Because there's so much that we can change with regards to how we do water, how we serve water, and just acknowledging that water, in fact, is not just water, and um, there's so much to it. Yeah, so yeah, so like always, always had a love. I'd like to highlight your accent too, Candice, because it's, it's South African, you're from Johannesburg, and yeah. we talked a bit about the whole idea of day zero in Cape Town. So, I mean, that's connected to, to water very strongly. So why don't you talk a little bit about that as well? So day zero obviously has a lot to do with climate change, but also high population, which is what we touched on um, previously. There's a family moving to Cape Town every six minutes. Um, so when governments fail in a particular region, then families are moving. And then we don't realize the impact that we have on the water system. And we use water as normal. We're not sensitive to the fact that we have to save. And a lot of people in their district do not even know when there are water restrictions that are in place because it's just not spoken about. Um, it's almost, it's constantly taken for granted that water is just going to be there. And even when we hit to day zero, um, we have another province here in South Africa that is, that is now the second province to be considered day zero. Um, the dam's got 40, is 14% full. Nobody's talking about these things. And if they, if they are, it's not you and I. It's people who are in the industry. 
but it's me at home who's making use of the water or maybe perhaps disregarding the water who's not aware. And Candice, you mentioned that you'll you'll work with companies to better tell their story around water and be it, be it, a, you know, maybe a government entity in South Africa to talk about the Valley of Water or a private company. What are some of the things that you're encouraging them to do or think about as they tell their story? So as a consumer, and even as a company that's producing a product, we never ask what water goes into a beverage. We just, we just assume that the end product is okay, but water is not just water. And on the beverage whether it's a can or bottle, the ingredient will always just be listed as water or carbonated water. But we know that there are so many different kinds of water. So did you use tap water to make this product? Or did you use a natural water? And if you are a big company or even a little one who is making use of natural water to make an end product, those are stories that brands should be telling. And it's how wonderful to do with a water sommelier. And um, just to acknowledge that that particular water that went into your product, one affects the taste of your final product, but two came from mother nature and that should be celebrated. We shouldn't hide the fact that we have this amazing resource as part of an end beverage. And right. so the opportunities I think are exciting to help businesses actually find their love story with water and how we can tell that story to the end consumer. Right. And as we discussed, the it's not only the water that's in beer, right? The, the, the beer is composed of grains that are fermented, hops, which are all grown using water, uh, beverages, soft drinks like uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola. It's water and sweeteners, again, whether it's corn sugar or, or beet sugar or cane sugar, all grown with water. And so that water footprint is critical for the upstream partners that these beverage companies, these food companies are working with. So to tell their story better around water is just really great. So we really appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, water footprint is, is, is also massive, as we've just said. Um, the end product, for example, won't just be one liter of water. Um, it could be, it takes, it takes over 25 liters of water to make a two liter Coca-Cola. Um, so if you look at that, you know, and then there's a sensitivity to around, around shipping water around the world, but then you look at an end product that's taken vast amounts of water to produce that product that's shipped readily and nobody blinks an eyelid. Um, so again, it is about the value of water and recognizing that actually without water, we couldn't have many of these end products. Um, so definitely a conversation we've got to get back to. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. Candice, one of the things we talked about during our prep call was that you had never considered a, we'll call it a more traditional role in the water industry. And for the folks that this, that are listening to this, right, we've been in industry for typically decades or many decades, and we would never consider something like a water sommelier or anything outside of like, you know, industrial water, wastewater treatment, or maybe a municipal type job. So why water sommelier? Why not something more traditional in water? 
You know, water has taste, and this is an element that has never been taken into consideration. So, you know, if you go on holiday and you drink the water out of the tap, it tastes completely different to your water at home. Um, and then you taste natural waters, and depending on where they come from and their mineral level, they taste completely different. So nobody's having the conversation about water for taste. We taught the rain cycle, um, and we're not taught anything about minerals. We're not taught, taught about different aquifers and how waters can actually be different. And that conversation is exciting. It's so exciting. So for me, to be able to give water a fun approach, um, where people are now sitting up and saying, oh, wow, I didn't know water could have taste. And through that tasting element, we learn a thing or two about water. And all of a sudden, we become more conscious. Now, all of a sudden, we'll look at our tap water more carefully. And which water is, are we buying at the supermarket for our family? And are we buying the right water if we're pairing it with a wine? Um, you become somewhat of a water connoisseur in that space. And it's exciting because it isn't boring. It isn't traditional. It's new and it incorporates everybody. It isn't for people in a particular industry who needs to sit up and listen, but it affects all of us because every single one of us are using water every single day. So of course it belongs to us. And that's what we love as water sommeliers is to be able to change your perspective because you matter and, and your choices ultimately change the choices of corporates who, who put out end products. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, water shouldn't be boring and you wanna make it fun. And you're doing a lot of posting on LinkedIn. Can you tell us about other ways you're using uh, and making water fun? Yeah, so we host we host water tastings, which is obviously the ultimate experience because people will ask, do you have to have a trained palate to taste water? And the answer is no, that you do not have to be a professional. Everybody can taste water. So that's really exciting. So if, if you walk in skeptical at first, you will walk away a changed person in the end. Um, again, it's not about paying for bottled water. It's not trying to convince you of a particular brand. It's just showcasing that all the water is actually different and that water, in fact, has taste. Um, so that's really nice. And then we've got the water menu concept. So a restaurant can take that on and serve different kinds of water, um, which, which receives a lot of media, a lot of press around it. Um, which is exciting. So that's given us as Water Sommelier as a platform to be able to just share that love of water and to have other people fall in love with water as much as we do. One of the things that I love that you're doing that maybe you, you sort of like said it and, and forgot it a long time ago, but that's your signature in your email and it's yours in hydration. Yes. And I've never seen anything like that in the coming from a more traditional water industry employee or background never seen anything like that. So are there other like little ways that you communicate or things that you're thinking about that we should be taking as more traditional water professionals that might help communicate the value of water? I think when we apply an emotional aspect, you know, that just my little email signature is just my passion. Although I say yours in hydration, um, water for hydration and water for taste are completely different things. And when we start talking about these things and all of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense, but I'd never applied my mind that way. So I think if we just have conversations across industries. There's so much that I learn. And then talking to somebody else, there's so much that they learn. Um, and just to be able to share that and cross that information over, all of a sudden you might look at the way you do things differently that could be hugely impactful for the future that is also fun and relevant to everybody as opposed to just what we know and what we've been doing for the last 50 years. Yeah. 
Ken, so are you training an army of uh, water sommeliers <laughs> and uh, getting them out there? And not only in terms of their ability to kind of look at the different taste profiles of water, but also in the ways that you're promoting your concept of the value of water. Yeah, so I train individuals within the hospitality sector. So your waiter, your barman, your mixologist. Um, on how to serve water and the differences between water. So when they encounter you for the first time, they're able to answer all of the questions. So we are upskilling that industry um, in water education, and then that indirectly affects you. And so you walk away educated in some way around water. Um, so that's, that's the biggest one. Is there an army of us? Yes. I would say that... Uh, Every TikTok follower, every Instagram person who maybe joined who wasn't sure, we're here for them. Um, we, I don't want to change somebody who sits at the top of some large company's mind. I want everybody to be a part of that water journey. So yes, there are so many of us every day who are joining the conversation and the response has just been overwhelming. What are some of the things that, that we can do and I say we meaning, right, the, in theory, thousands of people listening to this podcast that we can think about in our day to day that you sort of either embody or that you embrace that gets that value out there. So you mentioned you might create a TikTok, you might have an Instagram post, you might change your email signature. Maybe you could, maybe there's something that you could teach us now about how we could taste water in our home that would sort of elevate yeah. that conversation. What are some of those things? So I think the biggest misconception with water is that water is pure and water is not pure because it has minerals in it. Um, so brands are using marketing that they've used also for the last 50 years um, to highlight things like the purest drinking water on earth, but their water is packed with minerals. Um, so if we understand just the basics of water, that water in fact is not pure and that water is not just water, I think our minds automatically go to that place where we're now interested in water where we were not before. Um, and that just opens up a world of, of new adventure. Um, so if you're at home, um, if you're making use of your tap water, there are so many things in your tap water that we need to filter out because filters actually don't all do the same thing. So you think you have a high quality end product and you don't. Um, so it's not about not drinking tap water, but recognizing that we can actually take tap water into our own control and have trust in our tap water because we know what our filtration is doing to that water. And if we ever have to pay for bottled water when we're out and about, that we only ever buy natural water. There are many companies, um, the ratio will vary from country to country, but probably between 5 and 15% of bottled waters on the shelf actually come from a municipal source. So it's a tap water, it, irrespective of the process it's gone through, it's still a highly processed tap water when you can be buying a natural water. So there are companies and many countries are not tightly regulated around that. So that's what we want to see change. So yeah, I would focus on buying natural water if you're out, start reading labels and at home, get a good filtration system. Um, it's very cost-effective to use your tap water effectively. Yeah, I, I like your uh, idea, your philosophy that every day is World Water Day and that means we're all born on World Water Day, right? So why don't you tell yes. us a little about that? Um, World Water Day is so exciting. I always build up a hype, although every day for me is exactly the same. But for everybody else, it is a day that they look to see what are you doing because you're the water sommelier. What are you doing on World Water Day? Um, and I was so overwhelmed this year because I got so many messages and calls, just 
people phoning me up and saying, it's like your birthday today. I was like, it is my birthday. Thank you. And I had so many warm wishes. And it, it's not something I had anticipated. I had all of a sudden just received these congratulations. We wish you the best day ever. Um, and then I realized that I had, I'd adopted that, um, that feeling and that, and that, you know, that I, I, I was the face of water for many people and that my passion for water was evident through my everyday, um, whether it's a TikTok or Instagram or post that my love was there for water. Candice, our, our time is rapidly flying by. So I want to make sure we have enough time for our final question. And that, according to our audience, I think if we were to poll them, is one of the favorite questions uh, for across all of our episodes. We ask every guest the same question. And it's what we call our airplane banner question. So Jim and I are going to fly a plane to South Africa, pick you up, and you get to fly a banner behind the plane. And you get basically like a tweet's worth of characters or a sentence. And we're going to fly that plane around the world in front of every single water professional. What do you want that banner to say? It would have to be water is not just water and water has taste. That is absolutely our, our go-to with anybody and everybody is the taste aspect of water. I love oh, it. That's great, Candice. Uh, really good stuff. And, uh, you know, telling stories about water is, is our passion. Uh, we want to do a better job of it. We want to make sure water isn't boring, that it's fun and that we tell the story correctly. So thank you so much. Our audience will get a lot out of this interview. Thanks, it was so much fun.